Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Good morning. How many got to be here Friday night and hear Ray speak? Did you have a good time? Wasn't that a good time? That was a great time. So Ray is no stranger to this house. He's been here before in uh, in November. And I was just thinking, you know, it's one thing to um, introduce him as a brother in Christ, but it's another thing to introduce him as a friend to the house. And that's what he is. So would you welcome again Ray Hughes to our house this morning? All right, now, y'all know, y'all know that uh, David was a blues singer, you know that. David would get up in the morning, you know, and he'd just start singing the blues, you know, my mind is on vacation, my mouth is working overtime kind of stuff. He would start singing, woe is me, poe is me, and all the stuff. And, uh, you know, he was, he was easily depressed. And always with, with depression uh, comes exaggeration. Uh, you ever notice that people are really depressed always exaggerate? Uh, especially people that have real destinies and calls and anointings and prophetic sensitivities and sensibilities on their life. Like guys like Elijah and Elisha. When these guys would get depressed, they would say things like, you know, woe is me. I wish I'd never been born. You know why he was so depressed? He was depressed because Jezebel was out to kill him. And uh, he was so depressed that uh, he just couldn't deal with life. Curse the day I was born. Now, that's depressed. I wish I'd never been born. God, why did I, you know, that's depressed. It's also exaggeration. Because if you really want to die... Just go over to Jezebel's house. She wants to kill you anyway. Right? Maybe that's just down home logic or something, but I don't think he really wanted to die. I think he was just depressed. And I think David would get up and he'd start singing these songs because he sang songs seven times a day. He'd sing songs unto the Lord. And he would start off his songs with, oh, my enemies are out to slay me and woe is me and all that stuff. But one thing that's different about David's Depression that led to exaggeration is suddenly in the middle of it because he had a heart after God, his song would change and it'd no longer be about my enemies are out to slay me, but I, I will yet praise the Lord my God. So he would take the negative uh, thing that was going on and he would turn it into this, even that. He would redeem it. In mid song, he would redeem it. And uh, and as a result, God gave him permission to exaggerate. Did you ever notice that? God gave him permission to exaggerate his praises. And he would say things like, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm looking for something here. I just had it a minute ago. Which one of y'all got that out of my Bible? Excuse me, that was an exaggeration. But remember, uh, here we go. He, uh, and what he would do is he would, he would turn it into praise. And God gave him permission to exaggerate his praises. Think about this exaggeration. 
You got David and, and the children of Israel. On one side of Israel is this vast kingdom with all its military might, military, political power. They had, you know, here's Egypt. Hundreds of thousands of gods and, and teraphims and little idols and everything they worshipped. And they had all this military might, hundreds of thousands of horses and soldiers and warriors. And they stood consistently and historically they stood against Israel. And that's on one side. And then over here on the other side, you've got the Babylonian kingdom with hundreds of thousands of gods and warriors and chariots. And, all, and they always stood against Israel. These two huge military and political powers and spiritual powers, you might say, because of their idolatry and, their, and the demonization of those nations as a result of their idolatry. Those were the enemies of Israel. Right in the middle, you've got Israel, a little spot on the map about that big, and they got a king running around with a guitar saying, my God can whip all your gods. To the natural mind, that sounds like exaggeration, doesn't it? But you'll notice that every time that those massive kingdoms would come against the people of God or to invade them, they had like a secret weapon. It was a release of the presence of God as a result of their praise unto him rather than their panic unto their enemies. They didn't succumb to the depression. They, sometimes for long seasons of times, they would succumb to the depression. For 400 years, while, while Egypt held them in captivity, for 400 years they didn't have a song. <clears throat> they didn't have a song. They only had three notes to the scale, and it was minor, modic, morbid sounds of moaning and groaning. They couldn't even raise their voice conversationally. They couldn't make eye contact. To communicate with one another, they had to whisper. In a public situation, they, they, would, they would even hide their communication. And their song was this moaning guttural sound for 400 years. Until God said, Pharaoh, <clears throat> Moses, tell Pharaoh, don't ask him, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That they may come away and worship. So it wasn't just about the getting them out of the bondage. It was about getting them into their new day, into a relationship with God. Getting them rightly related to the presence of the Father, rightly related to the Lord, and right relationship with God will always, uh, will always, always, always be wrapped around praise and worship and the interaction with the presence of God. That's what it is. So, <clears throat> the point is, is they were created to be a praising people, and if they're ever in bondage or in depression or in these seasons of despair... One of the first things that would go would be their praise. And then, of course, down through the, down through the years, then comes along uh, the generation of David's generation, who actually begin to redefine, and, and for the first time on many levels, define what praise really was to the, to the people of God and, and, and with their God. Because things happened in David's day that had not happened any time prior to that. And it was a promise. All about the tabernacle of David, everything that you see in the tabernacle of David is a promise to a future generation. And if you want to really think about it, everything that God has ever done, any performance of God in the past, is a promise to a future generation. That's why this book is filled with the performances of God causing future generations to know what God can do. And if we value those, we can access those. And praise is one of the ways that that happens. A praise actually creates an environment for God to, to do and be all that he desires to be to us and through us. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit uh, this morning because we've just got just a short time. Uh, there's so many, so much that we've, we miss uh, 
in our English understandings of, of Scripture much of the time. I go to Israel a lot. And, uh, and one of the first things I notice is, is all the idioms in Scripture that we, we just don't have ways to understand because our, unless we understand some of their culture. And these biblical idioms, those are the words that are in Scripture that actually kind of demand an understanding of the culture or the language for us to get it. Uh, we have a lot of them in our, in our culture too, of course. But in the Old Testament alone, there's 1,800 idioms. And there's 1,100 idioms in the New Testament. Of course, and of course, that's, you know, we, we have them like, uh, uh, you know, um, did you hear about old John? He kicked the bucket. Uh, well, why would a man kick a bucket? You know, to us, we know in our culture, we know that that means John died. But if you don't know that, and of course, coming from the, from the south, you know, over where God lives, uh, um, I mean, our, our whole vernacular and vocabulary is just saturated with sayings and idioms and southernisms, you know. And, but the, the Word of God is, too. There's, it's, it's full of those things. And a lot of times, we've really missed the, the fullness of what Scripture is even speaking of, unless we have some, a little bit of an understanding of... Um, of uh, of that culture and some of their idioms, and also unless we sometimes look at the words at the words behind the words, uh, and if we begin to do that and we begin begin to look at the etymology or the beginnings and the foundations of some of these words, they take on whole new meanings to us. Uh, for instance, this word praise, and I'm not going to give a get have time to give a, a, a you know kind of a full. Uh, Round at uh, at the seven Hebrew words for praise, I do want to chat with you a little bit about one or two of them, just because uh, it, it's stuff that gets so easily overlooked. For instance, uh, the word praise that's translated praise the most times is the word halal. Now, there are seven different Hebrew words for praise, because the Bible doesn't say praise. That's an English word. And uh, But when you look at those seven that are the most used, the, the one that's used the most is the word halal. And halal is to rave, to boast, be clamorously foolish, to act madly, to radiate and shine. Now, that word is not a suggestion. In the word of God, it's actually a command to praise the Lord, to halal God. It's where we get the word halal, to, to rave, to boast, be clamorously foolish, to act madly, to radiate and shine, halal, yah, that's where we get the word hallelujah. So that means to rave, to boast, be clamorously foolish, to act madly, to radiate and shine unto Yahovah, the uncreated God. So uh, there's three words that are the same in every language, you know, hallelujah, amen, and Coca-Cola. Now... <laughs> So this one, the word halal is 99 times. Now, you, you'll, you'll hear sometimes the word halal, different word altogether. Halal is not this that's connected to sound and praise. It's, it's more connected to prayer. Halal would be the, those pr- the prayer that was accompanied with music. Because, see, Tabernacle of David was 24-7 for 33 years, 24 hours a day, nonstop, a sound or a song was heard, and God was inhabiting their praise 24-7 for 33 years, one song for 33 years. Now, the numbers that come to the book of Psalms, the 150, we call, like to call it the top 150 hit parade of David's time, actually was was a constant continuance 
of of expressed praise with these seven Hebrew words for praise being demonstrated. And they could be demonstrated at any time during the song or the sound or the season. Some of the songs will have halal, yada, shabak, you know, have four or five in one, in one song. So you would see that the people of God, when they, when that word comes along halal, maybe they've been yada and yada would be to lift the hands, to stand there praising God and acknowledging God with lifted up hands, to shoot out the yad, the hand. But then as the song goes along, all of a sudden, this next word is not yada, it'll say praise. So that means, all of a, all of a sudden, imagine 38,000 people in Israel suddenly hot dog for Jesus. Because it means halal, so we're, they start raving and boasting and being clamorously foolish and acting madly. Unto God. And they might do that for an hour, two hours, three hours. Why? Because if depression can be extreme, praise can be extreme. If despair can be extreme, praise can be extreme. And and one of the one of the ways that we have of getting the, the depression, the despair, despondency, and the the, the us me focused, lack focus, all the nothingness focused. If you're focusing on all this nothing that's coming against your flesh, all of a sudden you just turn all focus unto the purposes of God. No, under the presence of God. And the purposes start to shift and change. Because, you know, you start beholding the beauty of the face of the Lord. I challenge anybody to be depressed in an atmosphere like that. I challenge anybody to be in the presence of God and experience His glory and go away unchanged by that glory. Because as we respond to the presence of the Lord, we get changed from every glory that we've experienced. We're suddenly changed to a new one, a new demonstration of his glory, something we've never seen before, something we've never experienced in him before. Those, there's endless opportunities for our lives to be reinvented on an ongoing basis as we're constantly being changed by being in his presence. And, and praise does that. This word halal is where in 1 Chronicles 16.4 he says he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark, before the presence of the Lord. To thank, to praise, and that's that word halal, praise. Hot dog for Jesus' word. And then, uh, 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 and to record. Now, this word thank and praise, that was a, that was a 24 hour, that was a 24-7 thing. But there would be a constant uh, new uh, expression because like his mercies are new every morning his presence can be unveiled and revealed to us in new ways all the time so there it would demand other responses other than just this wild uh, exuberant celebration of of what man would call foolishness but you see that Psalm 84 4 says blessed are those who who dwell in your house they are ever halaling you Psalm 102 says, let this be written for a future generation that people not yet even born or created are going to halal God. One of the reasons they're going to halal God in the future is because the way it was set up in the tabernacle of David to thank, to praise, and to record, or zakar, or to remember, or commemorate, or write down, or create documents of the vocabulary of that generation so future generations can praise him accordingly. And remember, remember in, in heaven, in the, there were three archangels, Michael, the warrior, Gabriel, the messenger, and Satan, who's what? 
He was a worship leader. And he didn't pick up a guitar to lead worship. He was a guitar. It says within his very beings, with his musical abilities. He didn't go to a piano. He was a piano. But here's, here's what I want you to grasp out of this. His name was the anointed cherub that covereth the throne, and his job was leading all of the host, uh, all of creation, and all of heaven in worship. In the presence of God, he was the worship leader. Had stones upon his breastplate that reflected the light of God's glory, and he was an instrument that resonated the sound of worship as he led all of uh, uh, everything that was in worship. Right. And then his name was the anointed cherub that covereth the throne of God. And now he says, I will be like the most high. Now imagine this. Look what just happened. Rather than, I mean, he's in the presence of God. And he says, I will be like. Anytime you become position minded rather than presence minded, something's wrong. No, so it's no longer about the presence of God. It's about a position I will take and I will be enthroned. I will be like the most high. Now he's cast down and look what that means. If his name means the, the anointed cherub that covereth the throne, he's cast down. Now he has left the throne uncovered. God, in essence, says, no biggie. I will create a people in the earth and I will enthrone myself upon the praises of my people that live in Colorado. That means we have a position he once had in the presence of God. But if the enemy, and now the enemy can, the only thing he can do is pervert and counterfeit. And if he can keep us embracing counterfeit ideas about being in the presence of God, that it's just wrapped around religious rhetoric and, and nice things happening to most nice people in nice buildings, that there can really not be a real God come to the midst of his real people and enthrone himself upon our praises. No, those are church ideas that come out of these, these ancient writings. No, there's a real eternal God who's made covenantial promises for future generations. And in future generations, I will create a people that I will enthrone myself in their midst and my being in their, in their presence and they in mine. You know, if, we, if, if we're robbed of those ideas and we confine our praise activity to musical events and responses to music rather than interaction with God, we miss the foundation of what we were created for. Praise is more than just the something that happens before the preaching, ain't it? I mean, praise is something that's, that requires us to do things like actually cause our flesh to come under submission to God's desire and our spirit man motivate us to respond to the presence of the Lord with things like shining and radiating and boasting and being clamorously foolish and acting madly before God. And this is not just to get us to do something. God wants us to be something. It's not just about the activity of the moment. It's, it's far, far, there's, a, there's an eternal covenantial thing that's going on here that our generation gets to be a part of. Now, he says, let this be written that a future generation are going to praise God. Then Psalm 113.3, this word halal again, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be halaled. Can you imagine what the kind of day David was having that day? It wasn't about, woe was me, I, I, I would throw myself at the ground, but I know I'd miss. 
It wasn't about one of them depressed days, was it? It was about he got up and as soon as he saw the sun coming up over the horizon, it's a, boy, today is one of those days. Let this, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I'm, rather than seven times a day doing something, I'm just going to praise him all day today. I'm just going to walk about like a raving maniac praising God. But, but wait a minute, that's not my personality. That's the point. <laughs> It's not about, it's not supposed to be about your personality. It's about his presence. It's not about your position. It's about his presence. Boy, look here now. It says in Psalm 119, 164, it says seven times a day, David said, seven times a day. Now, you might got to remember now, this is a time when David's the king of Israel. He's the king. He's got committee meetings. He's got press conferences. Oh, got to judge some folks this afternoon. Got all of He's a busy guy. He's got wars going on. He's got Midianites and all kind of ites coming at, you know. He's got all this stuff going on. No matter what's going down, this crazy king, seven times a day, because he's realized who he is. And he realized that there was a triunity, a triune anointing upon his life. He was prophet, priest, and king. He was, he was created by God for this. It wasn't just a political position for him. This was the reason he was created. That's one of the reasons it's so incredibly important to see what's going on today in musicians today. They're realizing it's not about being a volunteer musician in the church. If you, if you have a volunteer mentality in the church, play your music as a volunteer mentality in the church, it'll always be just that. And then somewhere God starts doing somebody's life and says, no, it's not about just giving my talent to the church. I was born to do this. I'm not a volunteer. Volunteers can unvolunteer. Volunteers can become discouraged because of the weariness of the giving and giving and giving. But then there comes a place that, wait a minute, I was created to praise God. And this happens to be one of the overflows of that. So since I'm a praiser of God, it's a lifestyle now. It's not just something I do, it's who I am, it's who I, what I be. And when we, when we begin to get a hold of that, then God begins to open up all kinds of creative possibilities of ways to demonstrate praise and acknowledge His presence. And pretty soon, everything begins to shift because seven times a day is not enough. I think it's more like a 24-7 lifestyle becomes one of praise. Seven times a day I perform this vow of praise. He said, now, with these kind of ideas, I'm only on the first word here, but David uh, separated to the service of the house of the Lord these musicians and, and skilled anointed ones, uh, that, that leadership anointed, and separated them and acknowledged the giftings and graces on their life. And, and as, as a Davidic worship and musicians, that's a part of what we have to understand is highly skilled. Here's who you are. You're highly skilled, greatly anointed, called to fight for others and equipped to win. That's who David was. See, David was the crazy picker that showed up and fought the giant. And he was, uh, you've heard me tell the story. I shared it with you last time I was here that this, when David showed up, he hadn't been listening to the Philistine thinking. He hadn't been listening to the enemy that everybody else had for 40 days. He'd been listening to the heartbeat of the Father. So when he showed up that day in battle, he didn't have all the Philistine ideas floating around in his head that was confining him to fear, discouragement, dismay, and despair, as that said that those, the army was. 
But here the pizza delivery guy shows up. And, he's, and it's David. And that's, he's bringing bread and cheese. And that's pizza. I don't care where you're from. That's pizza. He shows up with the pizza. And he hears this loudmouth giant cursing the God that he loves with all his heart. And he says, wait a minute. Who does this clown think he is? And you know the short version of the story before it's all over. He is so passionate about God that he just can't be in an atmosphere where people are saying those kind of things about his God. So he takes a position nobody else will take. He takes up this ammunition and begins to release a sound. That's a new sound. And that was the beginning right there. When he released it, hit that giant, that's the beginning of rock music. That's where it took place. Because what happened? Bing! He rung his bell, didn't he? Why? Why why was he even crazy enough to do something like that? Because this is one who had been given permission to exaggerate and magnify and multiply his praises unto the Lord. That was what he was called and anointed to, to multiply, magnify his praises. Now, when you look, what does multiply, magnify this extreme praise stuff about? Multiplying and magnifying the praises of the Lord. David praised God so much and exalted God so deeply in his heart that he carried an anointing to cause others to praise God. God said, there's one after my own heart. I'll turn him into the king because kings establish standards. Now all of my people will have an understanding of my presence and they'll praise. So let's raise this. He's just a little hairy-legged guitar picker sitting on the flat rock with a bunch of sheep out there until he started to demonstrate and express who he really was, you're not going to curse the God that I know to be my God. So that passionate praise and passionate attitude, he carried it as an atmosphere. And so then when it comes time for him to become king, look what happened. First Chronicles 16, 4, this verse that I'm talking about. He appointed those to halal. Full-time staff paid hot dog for Jesus, folks. Full-time staff paid halalers. You see? And then with that came a whole new day for all of Israel. And at the end of that 33 years, 33 years of nonstop overflow of the creativity of a generation under the presence of the Lord. Wow. And then God made a promise. He says, you know what? In that day, I'm going to build again this tabernacle of David. After it was all over, I'll build again. God made a promise. I'll build again the tabernacle of David. I'll raise up ruins. I'll raise up the idioms, the understanding. I'll raise up a generation who's not events driven. I'll raise, I'll raise up a generation that's not fan-based Christianity. I'll raise up a generation that so passionately loves me that all of their creativity melts into mine. And I can melt mine into theirs. And we'll interact together. Because when they rave and boast and be clamorously foolish and act madly and radiate and shine, I will too. Because they're going to give me glory and I'm going to glorify myself in their midst. There's all kinds of promises, covenant promises that come to that generation that carries this heart. Giant killer heart. Now, I I don't really have time to to get to the next words. So y'all just have to make them up sometime on your own but I can tell you this that God wants to raise up praisers to the point that the overflow of their worship 
um, how's a good way to say this? When you look at the son of David, remember when the son of David stepped onto the scene? The son of David, who was that? He was one to come to, to restore. He was come to rightly relate all of humanity. All tribes, all tongues have an opportunity to now to be rightly related to the Father as the praise and worshiping creations that they were created to be, right? Well, there could be no redemption. There could be no salvation unless the son of David came. And you remember when, when uh, all down through the ages, God kept raising up prophets and prophetesses that would keep declaring that there's coming a Messiah, there's coming a Redeemer. And every time, this is what it was about. When the enemy was cast down and left the throne uncovered, and, and, and let's, let's just, uh, for sake of time, let's look, look at it like this. What happened was, is at the fall of man, in, interaction, intimacy, worship, all those things, there was a breach between God and man. But God made a promise. He said, you know what? Look here, devil. I see what you've done. I'm going to put enmity between you and the seed of woman, and the seed of woman is going to bruise your ugly head for this one. And that was a, now, all the devil knows is God's word is true, and when he makes a promise, it comes to pass. And when he made that promise, all the devil knows is he's going to get his head bruised because God's word just comes to pass. He don't know what this seed of woman guy looks like. All he knows is there's a head bruiser coming, and God will fulfill his word. So generation after generation, the devil's living in this state of total paranoia. Every time God would raise up another, here, God shows up one day, takes the jawbone of an ass and slays a thousand men. The devil says, if he can do that, he could be the head bruiser. So what does he do? He starts messing with their destiny, starts creating all kinds of things to shut their lives down, starts coming against these that obviously look empowered by God because they're doing signs and wonders and miracles, calling fire down out of heaven and, and all these kind of things. He don't know who the head bruiser is. He just lives in a state of paranoia trying to mess with the lives of those that are carrying destiny. And then, then look how many times these idolatrous invaders that worship other gods would come against the people of God. And when it's about to all be over because the enemy's goal is to wipe out this bloodline that has a promise of a redeemer to rise up in. If you wipe out Israel, there will be no redeemer. If you wipe out that bloodline, God's word cannot come to pass. And so the enemy would always put the, these idolatrous idol worshipers to come against the people of God. And then look what would happen. Some kid with no physical mind or anything would just show up and God would do the outlandish. And it would always be wrapped around a, a, uh, an encounter with God that restored worship. Whether it be a Gideon, remember what happened with Gideon? Restored worship, and then God released the sound. It'd always be these sound lights, halal, rave, boast, be clamorously foolish, radiate and shine. It would always be sound and light shows like breaking pitchers. Anytime there are broken vessels, the light comes forth. When vessels are truly broken, the sound will come out. And it'll be one that'll restore a whole generation. In the worship realm. Time after time after Joshua, Jericho. Seven laps, seven days, seven trumpets, seven, seven, seven. All this, 
There will always be these biblical strategies that come out of the same thing. Watch. Every one of them. Depression, poor me, going to die, can't take Jericho. And there stands Jesus. An encounter with Jesus falls down and begins to worship. And out of worship comes strategies. And they don't come out of strategies of the mind or, or physical might. But now out of worship, not, God not only brings the strategy, but the empowerment to overtake the enemies of his people and the enemies of his purpose. It always has worship and praise connected to it because the presence of God's in the midst of it. And it's supernatural. And it's a promise to another generation. And here, the same thing like with the Gideons. Remember Gideon? Very first thing that happened, encounter with the angel of the Lord, depressed, living in a cave, dark place, no future, it's all over. Israel's about to be wiped out. And God says, through an angel of the Lord, Gideon. When he says Gideon, it was immediately Gideon heard his name from this angel of the Lord and he began to walk out his destiny. Best way to put it. I'm trying to do this short and, and, and I'm working hard at it. So hang with me. But you realize what happens next? The first thing he does, he walks out and tears down the altar of Baal and restores worship. His fathers had worship, Baal worship, but no longer. Worship was restored. Out of worship comes bizarre strategies that involve the presence of God doing only what the presence of God can do because of this exaggerated worship. And you can't say Gideon's was not an exaggerated... Man, how impacting was that? We like to think he went out in the middle of the night, and he did, tore down the altar of Baal, and began to worship. But you know what he did as worship? It wasn't a secret. It wasn't some little hidden away, cocooned in thing. You know why? Because what he did at the restoration of worship, a 2,000-pound bull. Cooking a 2,000-pound bull in this neighborhood right here, everybody's going to know about it. You can, you can smell brisket for five miles. So, you know, so what he did is he put the whole realm on notice. There's something in the air. There's something in the wind. There's something that's changed. And it was the aroma of his worship began to put the whole realm on notice that God's getting ready to do something. It was dramatic, extreme worship in an atmosphere that could have brought death. He challenged death, darkness, and, and economic, all the stuff. Everything was challenged because worship was restored. And of course, ultimately up out of that, you know what happens. He has to walk out. Anytime God gives a word and prophetic promise, we have to walk out the process. And as he walked out the process, at the end of it comes this, uh, you know, un, uh, just unbridled, passionate praise and the shouts of praise and, the, and, the, and the, 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 all of the, the, uh, the halal and it, it had to go on there when they realized what God, uh, what God had done in their midst. Over and over and over down to his, you find story after story after story. Don't have time to get to all of them. And then Jesus is born in an atmosphere of worship because he was conceived in an atmosphere of worship. And now you see him step out into his destiny on that day. And they say, God, sound from heaven. What did, what did the sound say when he came to the river? This is the head bruiser. Devil, here he is. You've been waiting for thousands of years. The one who's going to redeem and rightly relate all of humanity to my presence and praise and worship. Here's the guy. And he said, this is my David, is the word. The Greek word, beloved, is David. 
This is the son of David. This is the head bruiser. This is the redeemer. This is the savior. This is the one that's carrying the sound. This is the one that will redeem all of humanity from darkness, despair, death, destruction, everything that the enemy has to keep them from being. The halalers is about to be dealt with because here is the head bruiser standing right here in your very presence. When he said that, what's the next words you hear? Well, if thou be the son of God, when God declares who you are, the second thing you will probably hear is something that's going to challenge what God has said about you. If thou be the son of God, he was basically saying, if thou be the son, I've been fooled before. I've, I've been fooled before down through the years. And then he began to challenge everything in the realm of worship. And at the end of that challenge, jump off the temple and, and the, all the stuff, change bread to rocks and rocks to bread and all this. Get at the end of it. The devil is proposing this thing to him, trying to manipulate him to keep him from fulfilling the destiny that God had sent him for. And you remember what Jesus finally said? Hey, I'm, when the devil says, I know what you came for. You came to redeem the glory that was lost in the garden. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll just give you what you came for. You don't have to die and go through death, burial, resurrection, all the rejection of man stuff. I'll just give it to you. Oh, just one thing, by the way. Just one thing. If, just worship me. Just, wor- just for a second. Try to manipulate it and water it down. If you, but worship me, I'll give you everything. What did Jesus say? Nah. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. So what just happened? The priorities of life were just spoken from the Redeemer. Worship first, service second. If worship is first, the overflow of that relationship will empower you to take on every enemy of your life. Every obstacle that stands between you and your destiny will be dealt with. As a part of the overflow of your worship, you're empowered to overcome your enemies. Darkness, depression, despair, obstacles, hindrances, everything that the enemy wants to raise up to try to pervert the purpose and destiny of your life. The power to deal with it is in your praise. The power to deal with it is in your worship. The power to deal with it is not in the doing of those, but in the being of those. Because Jesus didn't have to yield and do anything that the enemy imposed upon him to do out of the energy of his flesh. It was, it was a God-ordained reality that, that, that highly skilled. I don't, I don't have to. Uh, okay, this service is over. So I'm going to just pray for you all before we go. Father, I just thank you that there are praisers in this house. I thank you, Lord, that there are people with purpose in this house. I thank you, Lord, that there are people in this place that have been, have been, have had encounters of despair and depression. The enemies tried to come against them. The enemies tried to shut down their futures financially, physically, mentally, emotionally. I thank you, Lord, that even though the enemy comes against and there's been invasions of, of the enemy against our lives, we thank you, Lord, that there's something deep within us. And it's the reality of your presence that empowers us to worship you and respond to you rather than react to our enemies. And Lord, our response is one of praise. We honor you. We bless you. We exaggerate. We honor you. We amplify you. We, Lord, may you you duplicate in our lives uh, and from our lives this, this wondrous thing called the presence of God. That you've put in our lives, Lord. Let let us be like David and multiply that whole thing everywhere we go. 
May we be those that rave and boast and be clamorously foolish. Clamorously foolish. May we just act madly before you, Lord. Because we're mad about you, Lord. Lord, we, we, we just love you. We bless you and we thank you. And uh, we're in awe of you. And Lord, I pray that, that that awe would be just saturated in joy. And so, Lord, for any, any that, are, that are being shut down by the enemy in any way, distracted in any way, I just speak the blessing and the goodness of God over their life. And we declare that depression, despair, and despondency, all that dismayal stuff, Lord, it does not have a place in our life because you have full reign in our life. And Lord, we thank you for doing this awesome thing in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.